0: Did you know you can buy my novel, The Nine Lives of Marva DeLonghi, for just $10.99? That's right. At www.jodyjsperling.com, you can grab my novel for just $10.99. But if you don't want to have to remember the web address, all you have to do is click on the link in my show notes. It'll take you right to the paperback, and I will send you a signed copy of the book for only $10.99 not including shipping and handling. But listen, that's the best deal I can possibly offer and not have to pay you to read my book. Now, let's move on to this episode. There's been this guy that I've noticed on Twitter for a long time who writes stories about zombie turkeys. Uh, And I always knew that there was something kind of humorous and funny and clever about everything that he was doing, but I never really dug in to learn more about him. Uh, And then when I jumped into reading a little bit of his work, I thought, he's really onto to something. He's got something. And so he answered my question about one-ton chickens. And he was going to sick his zombie turkeys on him. And there was a perfect storytelling episode. Funny thing is, we never got around to telling the story, not in an effective way. And so this interview ends up being a discussion about writing later in life, publishing, and finding great meaning in trying to delight and make readers laugh. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And remember, buy a copy of my paperback. Buy copies of Andy Zach's paperbacks. Buy his ebooks. Buy whatever you can. Because he's a really funny writer who's got some great fun stories. You can get them all on Amazon. I'll have links to his work in my show notes as well. And without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Andy Zach. If you ever watched the Arthur Reed Republican got bored TRBM, it's the antidote. That reminds me of when I used to sell used cars to people who needed a second chance. If they had bad credit or no credit, it was no problem. Now TRBM is for writers, what time lapse was for painters. What guitar solos and spotlight were for bands. And what chainsaws, and ice blocks were for sculptors. But what does a TRBM stand for? Tiny rap bowel movements? That's disgusting. Who to rock and ballerina magic or today's royally blunt magistrate? Go ahead, you decide.
1: And then uh, I was frying a turkey and I brought it in uh, to my family. <laughs> and uh, I said, Well, just imagine if this came back to life. And someone said, That'd be a zombie turkey. And I said, Oh, that's the name of my book. And the whole <laughs> book was planned around the title. That is crazy. Okay.
0: So you, you. Fry a turkey. Is it Thanksgiving or do you fry turkeys just on the use in your family?
1: No, this, we got a new fryer and I wanted okay. to try it out before Thanksgiving. So we have a tradition of frying turkeys on Thanksgiving. So I wanted to yes. try it out beforehand. So this was October. I but it's, retired it's in impressive. October. Yeah. November, uh, first Monday in November, I, uh, NaNoWriMo, I, uh, mm. I, went out and started writing zombie turkeys. So, uh, and That's I wrote fun. the first page the first day, so that was really fast. So yeah,
0: so you use the handprint, uh, which is kind of the classic turkey drawing for grade school children, and then yes. sort of gore it up. I should I should put in quotes for anybody who's not watching the podcast, which is pretty much everybody. I'm I'm not doing video too much at this point, but um, you kind of gore up that handprint, but it, it is like the how your uh, third grade teacher teaches you to draw a turkey. Um, yes. Trace that line to your hand. Put the beak on. Give it the little gobble. Boom! You've got yep. a turkey. So that is, I think, what helps me, or at least leads me to think that it's probably safe reading for uh, my my ten year old son, who's reading kind of like adult level books, but isn't quite into Stephen King yet. No, no. yeah,
1: yeah. There's plenty of uh, gore. Most of it's turkey gore, uh, <laughs> and uh, but the, uh, we also have a lot of people dying. The first page. Uh, Two hunters kill a zombie turkey and then they get killed so uh, uh, right. that's the first page
0: um I wanted to ask you as far as the the zombie element goes how how uh faithful are you to kind of like the genre motifs uh, of zombies in general is it do you do you stick closely to zombies or do you sort of make them fit your themes and what you want to do
1: yeah uh, the whole uh, book is a parody so I take the zombie uh, tropes. And I keep some of them, but some of them I turn on their head. For example, my zombies do not rot. They regenerate. <laughs> so injure a turkey, it uh, grows back stronger than before. And gotcha. uh, that's uh, that theme continues when uh, the disease, because it's a bacterial-caused disease that causes this, uh, when it uh, goes uh, to humans, uh, the human beings also... Uh, regenerate and become stronger than before
0: oh wow so they get killed and then they come back as kind of like superheroes yes. yeah that's fun okay um and in the second book i noticed that you did the detective theme did you try to write it at all like a, a mystery book or a detective book yes. uh how okay and tonally it's kind of similar to that so you are you playing with genre throughout these different books
1: at least with the second book i did because i'd okay. never read a detective uh book before yeah. work. so uh I thought, well, I'm already making fun of the uh, zombie genre. Let's also make fun of the detective genre. Yeah. So I uh, had an amateur detective, the mm-hmm. uh, reporter from the first book, uh, Sam Melvin, uh, gets fired by his wife and has to find another job, and he becomes a uh, private investigator. And uh, the um, uh, he then uh, the only thing he knows that much about are zombies. So he then investigates zombie cases. And wow. uh, so he becomes specialized in zombie cases. In fact, the only uh, detective in the country who does that and uh, gets very successful at it. Nice.
0: and' I it's have a an
1: episodic rather like a... I was thinking of Nero Wolf was my mm-hmm. uh, exemplar. And uh, I was thinking of um, the uh, without thinking about it, uh, Sam ends up being sort of like Archie Goodwin going at uh, his, uh, uh, director's, uh, request. So, uh, Archie Goodwin is, uh, is the, uh, Sam. And then, uh, Lisa, uh, is, his uh, uh, Nero Wolf.
0: Nice. I love it. I love the idea. I love playing with, with genres. I love making fun of genres. So my, right. my series is, uh, like hard boiled in tone detective fiction. You've got two partners and I, I think I do. Like, I think I set out to kind of make fun of it, to kind of parody it, to celebrate it, to exaggerate mm-hmm. it. Like, I think of it, what I'm doing is kind of a caricature. So, the main character detective for me is uh, a woman who, by all accounts, has to smoke at least 30 packs of cigarettes a day. I mean, she's lighting a new cigarette every time she talks and she's drinking gallons of bourbon every day. It's just way (laughs) too excess. Um, And her partner Lyle is eating the same way. And I I've delighted so much in the people who are reading these books and they'll be like, Lyle has a new piece of food every time that he's shown speaking or interacting with anybody. I mean, he's got things like he'll have a, a fried Turkey like, or he'll have, Uh, a giant sub sandwich and you're like, where's he even getting all this food? Uh, And then I do introduce magical elements into it. So like the first book is kind of a groundhog day theme, And I thought Mm -hmm. about this needs to have so much humor, but it also needs to have so much blood and guts and vulgarity. And I just had a fun time amping everything up to its extreme. It's so much fun to take a genre and explore what makes it great. And then Mm -hmm. try to, I would say even go beyond where it's fun to the point where you're like that's absurd, and then pass the absurd back to the fun. That's that's sort of my yeah. goal almost.
1: Well, then you should uh, like zombie turkeys because I certainly uh, border or walk past the boundary of the absurd.
0: Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about the sales of the book. The, this show has its roots in book marketing. So I always like to, to touch on it. But we're also going to do a, a short kind of uh, impromptu storytelling about zombie chickens or zombie turkeys or or something like that, <laughs> based on the tweet that I, I invited you on here for. So before we get there, though, um, yeah.
1: Okay, uh, sales. I have no, I had no clue on how to market books. Uh, I had, before I, uh, before I uh, finished writing, uh, I finished the first draft, started editing it, passed off to a professional editor. And uh, then while she was editing it, I took a course in writing, which is ironic after I wrote it. And uh, then, I also uh, read about six books on uh, publishing because I still was undecided whether I was going to try the traditional publishing or self-publishing. I was leaning towards self-publishing, but I uh, decided to go, uh, and I did go self-publishing. So, uh, and I decided to keep it simple, just focus on selling on Amazon. So that was, uh, I didn't want to devote energy to it. So I just wanted to plug and chug and have sales Uh Plug and chug worked fine. The sales did not. Uh, the, I had my book launch um, on uh, Halloween of 2016 because the whole episode uh, of the book takes place during November of 2015.
0: So, so you've got uh, zombie episode. zombie turkeys at Halloween. I love
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the whole e- book takes place between Halloween and uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah. Then I have some uh, after climax stuff where uh, they end up with the president uh, celebrating uh, uh, New Year's Eve at the White House. So that's the uh, end of the book. And uh, okay, perfect. So anyway, so the, uh, at my book launch, I sold uh, ten books uh, in a, a library mm-hmm. a room that I uh, had arranged, mostly to friends, and. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, those books went, and uh, then my first uh, couple sales on Amazon, I think I sold uh, maybe uh, two more, two mm-hmm. on Amazon before the end of the year by the end of the year. so nice. uh, I definitely didn't have the idea of how to do that. Mm-hmm. but I did find in person I could sell them. so I sold uh, sold another uh, to say uh, ten or twenty in person. Awesome.
0: Uh, to strangers uh, or people that you knew, how how oh, warm strangers. were the connections? These are all strangers.
1: strangers. I went to book okay. conventions. Oh, went cool. To the, went to First Friday uh, for the arts. They had a wheel pottery uh, place that my wife went to and uh, okay. sold books there, and uh, that was uh, so that was encouraging. I I got yeah. some money, and it's better than uh, no sales. And right. That's uh, that's pretty much the first year, 2016, and mm. then. I started advertising, I figured, well, the real problem is I didn't have more books. Just yeah. one book doesn't give you enough credit. So, right. Uh,
0: yeah, it's also difficult to to break even if you can only sell one book because a lot of times like you'll you'll bring in enough people on an ad that if they buy multiple books, then you can be profitable on an ad this is yeah. also part yeah. of it.
1: Exactly correct. Exactly correct. So I made a priority of writing the next book and I said, Well, okay. how can I top zombie turkeys? Well, With an undead mother in law and uh, Ah. uh, (laughs) made the hero a middle aged woman, uh, married churchgoer, and she becomes a zombie. And uh, uh, she has to fight prejudice against zombies and she fights for zombie
0: rights. Oh, wow. uh, That's amazing. Okay, I I (laughs) would not have expected that. So the zombies have in 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 your books, you you talked about them coming back, kind of super powered. I still was thinking of them in kind of like being um, mentally gone or something, but they're they're mentally there as well. Oh yeah,
1: no, just normal. Okay, the only uh, mental difference is uh, with uh, the zombie virus, you become slightly more aggressive. So. that probably goes along with the energy and the uh, strength that comes along with it as well. Yeah.
0: So, okay, so cool. You have a, a world of zombies that are, in all uh, accounts, almost living a better life. They're superpowered, they're stronger, yes, they're slightly yes, more yes, aggressive. The but like,
1: yeah. And they become the heroes of uh, Undead Mother-in-Law. Uh, so they, they get uh, co-opted. They're all very patriotic, and they get co-opted uh, by the uh, U.S. government to fight a, an international criminal game.
0: That's wild. That's fun. Okay. So as you write more books, did you find that, that the sales picked up? Was it easier to sell more? Are you still running yeah. ads? What's um what are you currently doing to to get it out there?
1: Yeah, that's great. The uh I started doing um uh, Amazon ads without mm-hmm. knowing what I was doing for let's see, that was twenty seventeen. So three years I basically advertised, uh spent a lot of money and didn't get a lot of sales. So that yeah. was in 2020, I took a course uh, uh, by, uh, was it Brian Cohen, something like that, yeah, uh, I know. on how to do Amazon ads. And uh, uh, that was pretty successful. I picked oh, up good. my awesome. sales in 2020, but part of that was the pandemic in 2020. That was yeah. my best year of sales okay. uh, on Amazon. So that was uh, extremely successful. that year. Awesome. So, okay. But the thing that really helps uh, is my newsletter. I yeah. uh, knew newsletters were important from the beginning. So mm-hmm. I started one from the beginning with just people who signed up from uh, my appearances. And then I found oh, you have these book sweeps, and I can get newsletter subscribers who want to join my newsletter. So yeah. I added, got ran up to about uh, 1,500 newsletter subscribers mm-hmm. that helped uh, with sales, that helped with promotion. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually, I would get some sales each time I send out the newsletter. So I send it out twice a month. And, okay. Uh, then uh, the final uh, step of the way was that's uh, really been successful lately is Story Origin. I uh, one of the marketers I talked with suggested I go get onto Story Origin, and mm-hmm. I did. Great way of sharing your newsletter with other uh, newsletters. Yeah. and Promoting your books with other promotions all mm-hmm. at once. So. Basically, it's uh, writers helping each other uh, through mm-hmm. uh, book promotion. So uh, it's worked really well.
0: Very cool. And I it's, so it's similar to book BookFunnel, where maybe somebody else with a newsletter will will include one of your offers or something from you yeah. or promote your book, and then you do the same to your audience and try to get them to cross pollinate. Basically, exactly. Okay, and you said you found some success from that or how how well has that worked? I've thought about doing something similar myself i'm I'm currently actually really focused on self fulfilling books uh so I run Facebook ads and I'll occasionally be profitable a lot of times I'm breaking even and sometimes I'm losing money. I think overall, I've spent about uh twenty five hundred dollars this year on on ads, and I think I've made twenty one hundred dollars in book sales so you know. <laughs>
1: Amazon algorithm, it's hard to beat. Yeah, I've uh, spent uh, from, uh, over the years, I've spent anywhere from $3,000 uh, a year on ads down to, um, and not, my goal is now to be under 600 for the year, $50 a month on Amazon ads. So, okay. I'm trying to get away from that because I simply haven't ever made money. I get yeah. Amazon sales, with, but not through ads. Right. That makes sense to you. and. Yes. Uh, the uh, uh, so I find I can advertise better using Story Origin in my newsletter than yeah. Amazon ads themselves. So, yeah, uh, the ones that are making profit, I keep uh, funding, the ones that aren't, I don't
0: fund. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. I've had, like I said, I'm I'm doing everything on Facebook, and I use uh, anybody who listens to the podcast knows this, but I use um, a program called Ammo, Author Marketing um, Mastery. Oh, yeah, optimization. No, I, I
1: looked up, looked that up, I think, on your recommendation.
0: Yes, I absolutely love what he's doing. The Facebook ads thing works. Uh, the biggest issue I've had and my, my wife and I just finally decided we would do a redesign on the cover. She's, I'm really fortunate in that I'm married to a graphic designer. So she's really good at putting things together. She can, she can put mockups together. So we did a cover change, which was like pain to me. Um, but we looked at the, the top 10. Uh, hard boiled detective fiction covers, uh, on Amazon right now and redesigned the covers based on the top selling Amazon selling ones. Right. And then so I'm relaunching the ads through Facebook using the new covers, hoping that that will be the key. Because like I said, I'm only $400 in the hole on, on ads through Facebook, which is not like too shabby. I'm, I'm hanging in there, but it would be really nice. If I could up, you know, scale the ad spend because I'm profitable on it. And yeah. I think that's I think that's the promise of this program. There are a lot of people who you have to have, I think, about four books to be profitable in any offer that you're doing. Um, but it's nice because since I self-fulfill everything, I'm getting email addresses every time somebody buys my book. And they're already uh... a proven book buyer. So it's not I'm not getting a whole bunch of people who are only coming for the freebies because I find that like Freebie takers often are not buyers. It's really rare that somebody who accepts a freebie then is like, okay, cool. I'll buy your books now too. Um, They really have to be wowed by the book to do it. Um, And so I've, I've liked that, that the people who join my email list are proven buyers already. And they're, they're primed to buy again when I have more books to sell them, uh, if I can just get the ad a little bit better, then I can scale up. I'm spending thirty bucks a day right now uh, on ads, and there are people in this program who are spending well in excess of a thousand dollars a day uh, on Facebook yeah. and and Maybe making money. It has
1: to pay for itself though. That's yes, exactly,
0: exactly. That's the trick. So spend small amounts until you figure out what people want. Continue to listen, be open to feedback. I think that's hard as an author, and then let's get into talking about the zombie turkey chicken in a second, but I'd like to hear your thought process on, you know, you you said you were forced into retirement, which I wanted to ask why, but I think I'm going to move past it and just say, hey, life happens, and Recession. ask you- Recession, one word. Recession, Recession. yeah.
1: So, yeah. Uh, they, I was one of the higher paid employees, and they uh, yeah.
0: had a uh, get rid of the elderly program. Yeah, that's um. You should have sued them anyway. <laughs> ageism is 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 wrong, and it does happen for sure. Um, by the way, when you told me you were retired, I looked at you and I was like, "There's no way you're retired. You look like you're you, you know 50 years old would be my guess." Ah, uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you
1: uh, I retired in well, like I said 2015. I was yeah. 59 at the time. I'm now 67.
0: So uh, uh, well preserved.
1: And yes. Yeah. You
0: look spry. To you must exercise that. and eat well. <laughs> yeah. So, or you're a zombie. Wait a Wait, second. No, that's not
1: always a possibility.
0: Yeah, but I don't yeah. have
1: glowing red eyes. But I could have contact lenses underneath exactly. these fake glasses.
0: Exactly. So that's exactly. one of the
1: things the zombies do is they wear colored contact lenses to hide their glowing red eyes. That's hilarious.
0: Aha. I love it. I'm going to be reading your books. I'm so I'm so intrigued to kind of Thank see you. what they're all about. That's so. I'm, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then let's see. So I wanted to. I wanted to. One last stop is just to ask you in advertising, in writing books, I find for myself, there is that tension between, hey, I set out to write this book, and it's important to me that the story is the way that I envision the story. But I find that readers have a different idea of what they want. How much Mm -hmm. do you bend to what you see your readership wanting? How much are you thinking about your reader, their wants, their desires, and the intersection between I could sell more copies if I did X versus I'm yeah. just doing this because I love writing. And if people enjoy it all the better.
1: Yeah. It's, I definitely started from the position of not thinking about it much mm-hmm. other than from a sense of humor point of view. Yep. Uh, humor is idiosyncratic, so you can't predict what people will like. So I was mentally prepared for people to hate my books uh, oh, beforehand wow. because, uh, yeah. You have a silly book and people take it seriously. They don't like it. And yeah. uh, that's kind of what has happened from time to time. But uh, the other aspect is I wasn't thinking of the reader in terms of their expectations. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I learned from another author, uh, this would be uh, Travis Bach, who's the husband of Rachel Aaron, who's an independent uh, author as well. Okay. Uh, he said, uh, when you have a series, people expect to keep the same characters and the yes. same main character. And mm-hmm. I didn't do that at all. I was when I was thinking of a series, I was thinking of Robert Jordan with thousands yeah. of characters and changing the main point of view, uh, the main mm-hmm. character all the time. And so that was kind of like my exemplar. Mm-hmm. And uh then when I started looking at uh, series more, I said, oh, not only is it uh more. uh." more of a uh, single character uh, point of view throughout the series, It's uh, that's kind of what readers expect. So I went back and I started rewriting my series, but I rewrote it in oh, such a way that I just inserted uh, Zombie Detective. So that's from Sam's point of view, just like um, Zombie Turkeys isn't from uh, Sam's point of view. So I'm thinking of even writing a third book in the series all from Sam's uh, point of view. Cool. So that would be... Uh, that would be my uh, my plan. One of my plans. Yeah. <laughs> are plans. you
0: are you familiar? I can't remember the author's name off the top of my head, but are you familiar with the the book Redwall by any chance?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. it's Brian Jakes. Brian Jakes. Yeah. So
0: I, one yeah. of the things is that Brian Jakes does the same thing. That entire Redwall series. There's there are hardly any overlapping characters. Now I know it's slightly oh, yeah, different. True.
1: I hadn't thought of that.
0: Yeah, it's it's another one that's similar to that. It is isn't fantasy, and I I would I would think about your books like. What category they fit in? Because you certainly are not actually looking for your typical hard-boiled detective fiction kind of reader, or no. even your World War Z kind of zombie reader. You have. Well, I was looking crowd. for
1: zombie readers with a sense of humor. I yeah. knew there were millions of them out there. All I have Absolutely. to get is like ten percent. I'd be rich.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. Even one percent, you would be doing just fine. I think about oh, that yeah. all the time. If I could, and if I could, numbers at one percent. I said yes yes exactly i know i think about that so much okay well so you've you've started writing books to listen to your readership and what your readership expected with kind of uh characters and maybe a a semi-connected story arc and things like that um it's clear that you're doing this because you love doing it but it's also clear that you want readers um Anything else like that stands out to you about your process and how you try to connect with readers or the writing process that you feel like nobody else is doing and you would love to say if you could just have the ears of an audience that's never heard you before?
1: Oh, okay. That's a great question. I guess I would just go to my writing process. Uh, I'm goal-directed, so uh, I saw, uh, I think, a post on uh, Enneagrams from you, or is that... Yeah, yeah.
0: No, that was, yep, that was my last episode. I'm
1: an eight with those seven wings, so I took the test. Nice. uh, uh, So I'm very goal-directed, and uh, in order to keep myself driving forward, I set a goal of publishing another book every nine months. Awesome. So uh, that keeps me working, and Mm -hmm. uh, I don't work so much on words per day. I'm more Mm -hmm. focused on words every day.
0: Yes, and,
1: absolutely. And uh, get some progress every day. Mm. because Even 100 words a day over uh 300 days is 30,000 words. And yes. uh, so that's uh that's kind of my focus uh my focus on that. So that's one thing. The other thing is I typically will have a large theme or concept at the beginning of the book and then I will break it down into the story arc and then I will break it down into scenes, and then mm-hmm. I will diagram the scenes out and write them, and that's wow. uh, really helps me. Uh, so I use a spreadsheet with um, uh, the in each individual scene summary before mm-hmm. I uh, write uh, the scene, and uh, that's uh, that's been really helpful to keep yeah. going, particularly in uh, you get writer's block. Just you can't get writer's block in one scene; go to a later scene.
0: Oh, interesting. I see. I've never, I don't think that I've ever had anything quite like writer's block before. What will happen to me, and I think, knock on wood, uh, I found a cure for this, even for me, is I, I never used to outline or do anything even kind of like it. And I would just write the story yeah. as it came to me, trusting that if I was surprised, the reader would enjoy that surprise. It was very Stephen King influenced. He talks about not outlining um, and being bored if he knew where the story was going, but I have yeah. these absurd deadlines with my detective series right now. I have to have one finished by Friday. Um, mm-hmm. And it, so like just the pressure, I needed a fast way to get books done and know that mm-hmm. they were going to be good quickly. So I did. I I I wrote what for me was an outline. It essentially came to be a 17,000 word draft of the, the book that had all the major action. And, and so I knew where things were going uh and that way i could avoid the pitfalls of taking a wrong turn because mm-hmm. if i have anything that resembles writer's block it always is i took a wrong turn and i walked myself into a corner and i can't figure out how to get out of the corner and the more mm-hmm. stress i put on myself to solve the problem the more i don't want to write and so it like i'll be at my computer but searching a bunch of different things online instead of writing because i don't right. want to confront the fact that the story feels lost and submerged in crap And always to fix that problem, I would just go back and read from the beginning and find the point where I got lost. So that is a really slow way to write a novel, because if you get lost several times during a novel, it can take you months of of retracing your steps to find where you where you took the wrong turn. So outlining it really quickly and saying, hey, here are the major points. If I get lost along a 17000 word draft much quicker to find where the issue was and move on and clear up the the problem. So that's helped me a ton. It sounds like you're doing something somewhat similar.
1: Yes. Yes, definitely uh somewhat similar because I I pretty much know where things are going. The details are all left out. So I'll have a scene yeah. where I say the uh villains kidnap uh mm-hmm. the four uh four superheroes and it's yeah. like something like that. And, uh, but it won't be any details about how or when or where, or, or why. Yeah.
0: And, uh... yeah, And that's where the fun comes in. That's where the real discovery comes in is, is mm-hmm. how the the thing comes to be, uh, or, or the little actions or characterizations. And those are some of my favorite parts to write anyway. So what I found was that I was surprised how much more I enjoyed writing when I get to a scene and I know what needs to happen, but I mm-hmm. get the opportunity to, draw out the character and give the character some some life and some personality and some depth. Yep. Um, so I think it's even helped me write better characterizations. Uh, if anybody is looking to get your books, it sounds to me like you are selling, are you exclusive to Amazon or can you be? Uh, can you find your paperbacks and things uh, out there like barnesandnoble.com or anywhere else?
1: Yeah, I, I don't have a wide distribution through bookstores. So okay. uh, typically they don't like buying from Amazon. Right. I don't go to Ingram uh because I found Amazon to be cheaper for printing. Yes. And uh, so what I do have is a square site uh where I uh, sell the books directly from my uh home. Oh and, perfect uh, okay, direct sales. So that's uh that's something I uh, provide to people. Let me uh quickly give you the uh URL, or you can uh, get it to me offline, wherever it's convenient. Yeah, for just you. shoot
0: it to me in the Twitter messages, and I'll pop it in the show notes for everybody. Um, okay. So look for look for Andy's yeah, website. All nine
1: of my books are uh, there. And, uh, Perfect. Let me hop onto Twitter here, and uh, we'll give you the... Uh, give it to you right away.
0: Excellent. Um, so you've got the, the Square site where you direct, fulfill. People can find you on Amazon if they wish to. Uh, they're going to find you at... J-J-V-O-R-S, is that right, Um, on Twitter? Or did I get the...
1: Yeah, that's one of my Twitter accounts. Ah, you have have
0: multiples.
1: I have... uh, uh, J-J-V-O-R-S is my uh, personal account. Okay. And then I have an Andy Zach account. Uh Uh-huh. And then I have a Zombie Turkeys account. Zombie (laughs) Turkeys. And then I have an undead mother law
0: account. Wow. Okay. How in the world are you managing all of this? Before I knew
1: what I was doing on Twitter, I decided, Uh well, I could make an account for every book I write, and then eventually smartened up. And yeah,
0: stopped. <laughs> I was going to say that is a lot of work. I have two accounts and I keep both of them tweeting some but I mean, my personal account is where I do all of my work. I have one character account and uh she she tweets pretty regularly, but I don't I don't respond to anybody on her account. She tweets and that's okay. it. Well,
1: that so. simplifies life if you don't have to respond. Uh, yeah. So that uh, helps quite a bit. Oh, there we go. I have to find Jody. Jody. Sperling, there you are. Oh, you have a blue check, that's kind of cool. Some uh, writers are against it. Uh, I haven't found any benefit to it yet, so I haven't. No,
0: yeah, I, I, I know that Twitter, for the most part, like I said, has treated me really well. Uh, I have grown the podcast almost exclusively through Twitter, and it's a big oh, okay. podcast, that's a so that's. Reason. Yeah, it's it's been really nice. Um I will say and if Elon hopefully listens to this podcast, uh I I want to contest the algorithm right now. He's changed something about the algorithm and I I am under the impression at this point that it's a popularity contest which bothers me a little bit. Because I'm getting really great interaction in my comments and uh, in my likes. I don't tend to get as many retweets, which questions just don't. Um, and I think that he favors retweets more than he does actual interactions, which makes Twitter's social aspect kind of a pain in the ass. But,
1: you know, I've never haven't given much thought to it. I, uh,
0: yeah,
1: I've been on Twitter for 11 years, at least maybe 12 now. Mm hmm. And uh, I didn't get it at all at first. And so I uh, used it as a news source. Mm -hmm. I used it to find uh, interesting stuff. And I thought it was absolutely stupid for interactions because I hated the 140-character interaction. So I tend to be verbose. And uh, so I couldn't get that at all. Eventually, about 10 years later into my career i uh, found a lot of authors and writers yes and and, uh that was really helpful just interacting with people like you yeah and these actually became real friendships Mm -hmm. and uh enjoyed their content so that was probably the intent of twitter all along that i didn't get Mm for ten.
0: yeah Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, what I would say is I wonder if Elon or the people who own Twitter before him actually know what Twitter is about. I think that there may be a misconception about what it is. I I strongly believe that Twitter would be better for people who actually wanted to have a business on Twitter, and it would be better for the people on Twitter if they would embrace that conversation is the best thing we can do. Having a, a 240 character limit at this point is a real breath of fresh air, because it does mean you have to be concise about what you say. It means you have to think about how you say things and cut and trim the fat, but you have the opportunity for multiple back and forths. My favorite part is getting in a conversation with someone like you or telling a story with someone like you that goes back and forth and it's equal parts response. And, uh, you know, it's, you're volleying back and forth. I really like that. And that's, that's what Twitter is all about. You build these relationships, my most loyal book buyers all come from from Twitter, um, but it is also really difficult to run an ad or something on Twitter because I don't think that people understand what it's really doing. Um,
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, so that, uh, that is not. Uh, I think you're right. And before Elon had it, it was a confused platform because mm-hmm. no one seemed to know what it was all about. It doesn't have yes. uh, didn't have a vision. I think is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. And, uh, people used it and they liked it, mm-hmm. but uh, the company itself didn't understand. what it No, was. not at all.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So he may, he may give it more vision. I'm not really sure. I, I actually tend to like him very, fairly well. I think I'm, I'm intrigued by some of his behaviors right now. I'm not exactly sure how to interpret uh, like the Dogecoin uh, logo that he used yesterday. I don't know if it's still up today or not, but uh, yes, for a little was, while, it replaced the bluebird.
1: Uh, one-time thing or a long-time thing and, exactly uh, i uh, this in my previous career i was a project manager and one of the mm-hmm. things i studied was change management mm-hmm. and basically uh nobody in the tech world does change management they just make changes without mm-hmm. regard to communicating and yeah. letting people know why
0: mm-hmm.
1: how do i use the change mm-hmm. and what exactly you know and uh how do I go from what I'm used to to this new system? And exactly. that's never told.
0: No, it's not. Yeah, I, I lost the job I really loved uh, because of poor poor change management. Actually, I was trying to manage change, and the company was angry at me for being too transparent with my uh, the managers that I was overseeing. That's uh, a different conversation for another time. But yeah, change change I, is really important.
1: I have an alarm going off. Excuse me, here I have to stop yes. the alarm.
0: You're good. You're good. We should wrap up. So, I'm going to have people find you uh, on your square. You've sent it to me so they can get your books directly. Um, they find you on Twitter, and we are all set to rock and roll. So, thank you so much for for joining the podcast. Loved having you. It was nice to meet you, Andy, and uh, we'll, we'll continue the conversation on Twitter.
1: I'm so excited. Thank you so much, Jody.
0: Have a thank great you. day. You too. Bye.